There are a few days in history that you remember exactly what you did that day. March 11 of 2020 for me was one of those days. I was teaching a class at the university. It was the first day of a new semester, a new class. I had 49 students registered, but by the time I left home, I had already received emails from 12 of them saying that they're afraid to come to class. Apparently, there was this new virus something, and, and it was spreading fast, and it was nasty. It wasn't the flu, which, by the way, students don't care about giving each other the flu. So I took my studio video camera and a wireless microphone, and while teaching the class at the university auditorium, I recorded it for those who couldn't make it or wouldn't make it. That night, after I got home, I heard on the news that the World Health Organization, WHO, had declared COVID-19 as a global pandemic. The next day, the university had shut down the campus and told everyone that you have to continue to teach or study via Zoom from home. The world has changed. We referred to it at some point as the new normal or the new norm. Now we're more than two years later, many companies had gone back to the office, but not everyone. And the question comes up, what would the future of work be? Would it be remote? Would it not? Would it be hybrid? What should it be? In this episode, I'll talk a bit about the, the discussion, this discussion of the future of work, uh, whether it should be 100% remote, 100% back to the office, hybrid, anything else. Oh, and one more thing. I will talk about the elephant in the room. Can we trust our employees to work remotely? And even more importantly than that, what can we do so we can trust them to work remotely? Right after this. Welcome to The Trust Show. I'm Yoram Solomon, your host, the author of The Book of Trust and facilitator of The Trust Habits Workshop. My mission is simple. I want to help you form habits that build your trustworthiness because the answer to this question will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? The thing that for me sparked uh, creating this episode was uh, a message that I read just this month that uh, Disney said that they're bringing back the employees to the office. It was earlier this month, uh, their CEO, Bob Iger, that came back to be CEO uh, in November. Uh, here's what he said. He said, Disney employees must return to the office at least four days a week. So he didn't say five days, uh, four days a week. And here is something that he said that that uh, actually I like. He said the, the reason for that is the tremendous value in being together with the people you work with. That's very important, but it's not the whole thing. I, I want to take you through my own personal uh, personal story and, and journey. Uh, I, I started working from home in 2015. 2015 is when I left a job, a position in a company where I, I went to the office. The office was not very far from my home, uh, but I started work, working from home. Now, given that my wife was working, uh, my daughters were in college uh, or, or high school, 
it almost got me into depression. I'm, I'm not kidding. It was hard. It was hard to work with nobody around you. It was hard for me anyway. But then 2020 happened. And all of a sudden, you know, my wife was teaching from home. My daughters were studying from home. I'll tell you, I was happy because the family was here. I'm not sure that uh, that it didn't distract me to some extent, but but just knowing that they're here uh, was good for me. I didn't even know how much of an impact it had on me, uh, on on my psyche, uh, on on how effective or ineffective I was. Just just that they were here or that I was working on my own. And you know, even today, I, I work from my home office. Uh, I, obviously, I got used to it. Um, they are out of the house. In fact, they're out of the house right now as, as I'm recording it. But but I got used to it. I, I got used to the uh, the schedule, my schedule, to how I do things, to when and how I take breaks. So, so I'm effective, uh, even more effective than I was before. In fact, I know that it's going to be a little hard for me to go back to an office simply because I don't draw that line between life and work or work and life. So I can't uh, finish at five or six and, and say, well, I'm not thinking about work anymore. I love what I do. And that's one of the reasons why I can wake up at 2 a.m. all of a sudden with an idea and I would just get into my home office, which, which I could never do um, if I, I didn't have a home office. But here's the question. Is this the new or uh, normal? So... We were forced into what happened in, in March of 2020. We were forced into working from home, working remotely. But it opened up possibilities. It opened up things that we couldn't do before. Uh, we can hire people who live in different states and we don't have to move them here. We don't have to relocate them. Not even different states. We can hire people from different countries and it doesn't cost us anything. The, the reach became amazing. A lot of universities offer degrees online a lot more than they did before, and they did before. Uh, we have flexibility of location, um, of, of where we actually put the office, considering the fact that we don't need to be in a place where all the employees reside uh, and, and that we don't give up on employees uh, that don't live next to us. The other thing that happened is it really accelerated the development of tools that would support this kind of, of work. And that's something, by the way, that happens every time a crisis happens. And that's just like war. You, you know, the, I think the, uh, if you look at the, at the planes, airplanes that existed before World War II and the planes that existed at the end of World War II, there was a tremendous development in technology. I mean, it wasn't just airplanes, it airplanes, ballistic missiles, atomic bombs, atomic nuclear facilities that, that were the result of that. Planes went from being biplanes with, I don't know, 80 horsepower engines to jets, to supersonic jets. War accelerated that. Crisis accelerates that. And so the tools that we have been using before because remote work had worked before, uh, existed before, but the tools have really accelerated. Uh, look at the, the stock price for Zoom, Zoom the company. 
Uh, by the way, the ticker is Z Z T N O Z T N O, not Zoom S O Z O O M. And I'll talk about that in a second. In in December of 2019, the stock was at about 62, 63 dollars. By October 2020, less than a year later, that stock was at 559 dollars. It nearly increased 10 times, tenfold. So if you would have spent a dollar buying the stock, you would have 10. If you had spent $10,000, you'd have uh, $100,000. By the way, it's back in the 60s now because there is more competition, because uh, we got used to this is how we do things uh, and, and so on. And I, I promised I'll talk about Zoom uh, the stock Z-O-O-M, which I don't think is traded anymore. Uh, but there was a stock called Z-O-O-M. And many people thought that that was the company Zoom, which, by the way, it wasn't. It was an over-the-counter stock. So uh, uh, it, it was traded in 2019. It was traded at one cent, probably even less than one cent. It was traded at one cent. By March 2020, when the pandemic hit, that stock was at $21. The only reason, because that company had nothing to do and that technology had nothing to do with remote work or, or Zoom, the, the technology, but people thought it was. So it went up to $21. In fact, if you would have, would have invested $1,000 in ZOOM, the over-the-counter stock, by March of 2020, Again, if you invested $1,000, you would have had $2.1 million to your name for investing in the wrong stock just because of the name. So we developed tools, different tools for conferencing, for podcasting, for collaboration, for tracking employees. And I'll get back to that. But we got used to it. In fact, one of the things is uh, I realized at, at the early days in March of 2020, I realized that uh, a lot of people were just crashing and burning. I mean, friends of mine in the National Speakers Association that said, I don't know how to do anything not from the stage. I don't know anything about this Zoom, this OBS software or, or, or Ecamm or anything else. I don't know how to choose a camera. I don't know how to... To start this Zoom call and, and not let alone to lead a conference over a Zoom call. I had during the pandemic, I, I led webinars with a, up to and more than 9,000 people. Which again, is an opportunity that didn't exist. Well, it existed before. We were just not aware of it until we were forced to, to work that way. So I, I, decided, I, I saw the same, by the way, with professors, uh, peers of mine uh, at SMU uh, who did not know how to you know, deal with uh, Zoom. Some, some did, some, some used it before, but, but some didn't. And, and all of a sudden, uh, you, this is the only way to work. There was no alternative. There was no hybrid. It was that or nothing. And so... Um, what I did was I felt bad. I started uh, recording videos that explain how to get on Zoom, how to use OBS, how to choose a green screen, how, how to select a camera and a microphone and, and so on, uh, different software tools. And, and before you know it, that channel, uh, it took over my channel. I had to start another channel that uh, that's called The Trust Show uh, for my trust videos because uh, I got so many followers on, on that YouTube channel that explained how to use Zoom and, and things around it. 
that uh, at some point, if I would post a video on, on trust, people would just tell me, um, what does that have to do with anything? So I had to start a second channel. But uh, we got used to it. The companies got used to it. We got used to work this way. I personally got used to it. Uh, if I told you that uh, when I started in 2015, I was almost on the verge of depression. Uh, and now I just enjoyed working this way. Um, of course, I have to have some discipline, which, which I do. I, I got used to it. But we just want more of it now. So... Let's see what other people think or, or what the statistics are. I looked at a lot of sources to find statistics of uh, what employees feel about uh, remote work, what do companies feel about that, what, what's really available, what do we expect the future to be. And, and you know... I think that there's confirmation bias. I think that sometimes it's a matter of how you ask the question. So I'm not going to give you too too many of those sources. I'll pick a few ones. One of them is McKinsey, who did a survey of 25,000 Americans. And this was in the spring of 2022. So this is, I'm going to say, less than than a year old. Um and what they found was that uh, 35, uh, so this is, they, they interviewed the, uh, or surveyed the employees, 35% of them were offered full-time work from home. 23% were offered uh, part-time. So between these two, 58% were offered full or part-time working from home as part of their working conditions. 42% there was no remote. Now, 87%, when they were offered working from home, took that took the employers up on their offer. Thirty two percent said I'll I'll work from home five plus days, so only from home. Ten percent were were four days. We're were willing to work from home or wanted to work from home four days a week. Sixteen percent third uh, three days. You're not going to remember that. Thirteen percent actually said no. Uh, thank you for offering that, but I would rather work at the office uh, for varying reasons. Now, by the way, as you can imagine, it varies by the industry. So in the computer industry, that was the highest. So this is software development and so on. And think about what software development is like. You're sitting by a computer, working with a computer, developing a piece of software. It's not like you are, I don't know, screwing nuts and bolts, which you can't do with a computer. So in the computers industry... uh, 52% 52% are part-time, uh, are part-time full, uh, working from home. 37% are full-time. I'm sorry, it's the other way around. 52% are full-time, 37% are part-time. Production industry, the, the other end, and food preparation, they're about 14-15% on each. One of the other questions they asked is, uh, if you're seeking jobs... If you're looking for a job, what do you care about? 47% said, I want greater pay and hours. That, that was number one. 27% said, better career opportunities. 21% said, flexible working arrangement. And remote work is, is part of those. One example. 16% wanted better life, health insurance and, and so on. Uh, so it wasn't, as it turned out, it wasn't number one. But, you know, at, at the same time, the question is, um, are job seekers more 
I, I don't know if I would call it desperate and, and they care less about right now the conditions and more about those other things. Uh, the challenges that, that they cited, these are the employees, the 25,000 American employees. Uh, physical and health challenges of working from home. The inability to share themselves, their full selves with their peers. Access to internet. Interesting. Inability to learn new skills. It, it's kind of hard. I mean, and, and you know, it, it is hard to, to study remotely, study via video. And, and I have to, to give a heads down to my daughter, Maya, who at that time was studying dance at a university remotely okay let me say this again maya was getting a degree in dance remotely via zoom she was with her university via zoom and of course as soon as she graduated which the graduation was another weird experience on how you you, you actually pick up your diploma because nobody wants to be closer to you than than closer than six feet to you Others uh, cited uh, mental health issues, hostile work environment. That I don't get. So people said the challenge to work from home is that I have a hostile work environment. I think that's a different problem than working from home. What else do we have? Uh, th this is all kinds of statistics from multiple sources. 26% of Americans currently work remotely. And, you know, before the pandemic, it was 6%. So in 2019, it was 6%. In 2020, the peak, it was 41.7. Right now, it's 26. So, so it started at 6, went up to 41.7, where there was no alternative, and then back to 26. Uh, it's expected by 2025 that 36, more than 36 million Americans will work remotely. 40% have been more productive. They, they reported being more productive while working from home. I, I didn't find anything as to whether the employer thinks that the employees are more productive. 16% uh, of companies are fully remote right now. Uh, the benefits were quoted as work-life balance, 75%, which is a little challenging because, you know, if you're telling me that you're working from home and, and now it improves your work-life balance which means that you can interact with your family during, uh, instead of doing your work, that's a bit problematic. But I don't know that that's the case. 57% said they feel less stress. 56% said uh, less absences. They, they, they are absent less. I mean, because if you're not feeling well or something and might decide not to go to the office or for any other reason, let's say that you do have an event in the middle of the day, if you're working from home, it's probably easier for you to say, okay, I'll work around it. I'll work later today uh, in different hours. Uh, I don't need to take the day off. 54% said better morale. 50% uh, said less, uh, fewer sick days. 62% um, said uh, believe that their engagement is higher. 21% uh, apparently were willing to give up vacation time to get flexible work options. And, and uh, they claim the turnover uh, was reduced by 50%. Again, uh, there are uh, surveys that claim that productivity is actually down and not up. So it's also a matter of perspective. It's a matter of industry. It's a matter of who do you ask. It's definitely going to be different. 
So the next question that I have to ask is, is remote working good for everyone, everybody? So the first thing I have to say is not in every job. You know, if you're in the food preparation uh, production line, you know, if you're building cars, you're not going to be doing it from home. Yes, sure, there are types of jobs around it, support jobs, infrastructure jobs that you can do from home. But when you're building homes, when you're a pilot, I mean, do you want me to fly your plane uh, through my simulator at home? Uh, not being on the plane with you, suffering the consequences of maybe not being a very good pilot. Soldiers, police officers, EMTs, that, that's, you can't do that from, from home. So, you know, what, one of the things that, that annoys me is that high-level generic discussion of whether we should be working remotely, whether this is the new normal or hybrid, it depends it's relative. It depends. It's contextual. It's not for every job. It's not for every person. You know, there are people that that can't work from home. Doesn't make them bad people. It just, you know, just like they're introverts and extroverts and, and they're different personality types. They're people. I, I'll tell you one thing about myself. For me to develop content, I need to talk to someone. And, and it's not necessarily that they're giving me answers or they're giving me the content. Sometimes it's just a matter of me hearing myself saying the things out loud. The other person is really not a lot more than a sounding board, but I need that. So different people have different personalities. Some people have hard time working alone. I had very hard time working alone in the first couple of years until I got used to it, until I got... To how I do the balance, I make sure that I meet enough people, even if I interact over Zoom or anything else. By the way, my preference is for Zoom, and I'll talk about that. Not Zoom versus other video conferencing. I should say my preference is for video conferencing over uh, phone or over definitely over email or text. Uh, but it's not for everyone. Working remotely is not for everyone. Even if the job itself is a job that lends itself to either doing it remotely or doing it at the office, not all people uh, are capable. doesn't make them bad people. It just makes them people that, that don't enjoy benefits, that their productivity is going to go down, their, their morale is going to go down, they're, they're, it, it's going to affect them negatively. Now, here's something that... Uh, we have to keep in mind, the more teamwork is required, the tighter teamwork is required, the less effective will working from home be. You can't brainstorm. You can't just walk to another person's uh, office. Sure, yeah, you can communicate with them over Zoom. You can communicate with them uh, over uh, email or, or text messages. It's not the same. My relative trust model has time and intimacy as major components in accelerating building trust. It's a lot more effective. And if you... Now, not all jobs require teamwork or, or they don't require teamwork all the time. You know, when, when you are part of a project, let's say that you're a software engineer working part of a project, you're not by yourself. I mean, there are other people working on this. So you are part of a team, but you do a lot of the work 
solo. You do a lot of the work individually. So not all jobs require teamwork. Some jobs actually don't require teamwork at all. You know, take an editor, for example. If you're editing a book, you're, you're not part of a team. You know, you get the assignment, you're done with the assignment, you hand over the assignment to the author, and then you get comments back. Maybe you have a discussion with them, but for most of it, this is not teamwork. So it depends on whether the job requires teamwork because teamwork is going to get hurt. There's no doubt. Your inability to sit in the same room with people, to be close to them, uh, when teamwork is important or, or affects the, the results of, of the, the work that you do, uh, then it's going to be hard to work from home. One side effect to this growth in, in working remotely, which is really working individually, because no matter what your job is, you're not going to be on Zoom all day long uh, from home. Uh, we are, and, and even if you are, you are still kind of more individual. You're not among people. There was a study. One of the components of my uh, relative trust model is empathy. Empathy is important. It's, it's part of the BS component. The, the, well, eat with BS. Empathy and BS are part of the positivity component. Um, and one of the studies that, uh, that I often quote there, and I quote it in the Book of Trust, is a study that used the World Values Survey Database and found that over a period of 51 years in 78 countries, the level of individualism went up by 12%. Now, you may say 12%, 78 countries, 51 years. I don't know if it's too alarming. But when you narrow it down, and I spoke to the author of uh, one of the authors of, of that uh, research, um, I spoke to him, and he said that in English speaking countries, that number was 60 to 69%. What does individualism mean? And, and it's individualism in values and in practices, in, in how we behave and what we value, um, we're getting more and more to this, the world revolves around me culture. It's not my employers. As a result, you get less loyalty, lower loyalty. The fact that we put people at their homes and tell them work from home by the way, we don't have to buy you equipment. Well, maybe we do buy you equipment, a uh, computer or something, but not a lot more. You, we don't have to give you office equipment. You can do that from home. And even if we do, uh, we're kind of, we're promoting individualism. Individualism is kind of the opposite side of the spectrum than empathy. Empathy builds trust. We destroy trust by promoting individualism. And when we promote remote work, we do that to some extent. We tell people the world revolves around you. It's not the office, it's not the company. And I think that's a side effect that we need to consider. Okay, time for the elephant in the room. Can you trust remote employees? Or... How can you trust remote employees? Maybe that's that's a better way. I already said it's not all jobs. I already said that it's not for all people. 
So by saying I'm going to have you work remotely, are you setting them up for failure? If that's not a job that's going to be done well remotely, if that's not a person that will handle remote work from home, not very productively, are you the one setting them up for failure? And one thing that you can do is just do assessments. Let's assess employees and figure out if those are employees that will work well remotely. Now, I'm not saying that if you can't, if your personality doesn't lend itself well to uh, to working remotely, that, that you're a bad employee. But if we find out that you're not going to be effective, and maybe you don't know that yourself, if we can assess that and find out that, that you're not going to be productive, and you're not, you know what, I'll tell you one thing, if you're not productive, you're not going to enjoy your job. That, that I can guarantee that. I don't think that people enjoy their jobs by not being productive, if they're not productive. One way to assess that is actually to do a trial period. The, the only problem is how long? So is it like a week? So we're, will we learn enough in a week? Maybe you need to get used to it. I think that a very powerful tool there is going to be training and, and productivity tools that I can give you. And, and be careful what I, what I mean when I say, uh, I need to be careful with what I mean when I say productivity tools. This is a tool that would help you be more productive. It's not a tool that would help me uh, monitor you. And, and I'll talk about that. So we can build better training. We can build better tools to help people be more effective when they're remote to be more trusted when they're remote, because there are certain things that you need to do. And, and I'll talk about them in, in that segment. Uh, it will take a different type of leadership. You need to train leaders differently. It, it takes a different type of culture and culture is everybody's job. One of the things that get hurt when, when you work remotely is time and intimacy. So these are two components of the relative uh, trust model. Uh, time, you're spending less time with other people, less frequently, uh, less pred predictably, uh, and you are less intimate with them, which means that you, ter you tend to resolve to um, using email or text messages or phone calls, but, but not the face-to-face -face meeting that has the highest intimacy and it accelerates the uh, the building of trust. So uh, again, if I go back to my relative trust model, positivity of during an inter interaction. Okay, this is the dynamic part of uh, trust building. Positivity sets the tone. If if you are positive or negative, your your contribution to that uh, interaction. But time and intimacy accelerate that. And when you work remote, you hurt time and intimacy. So increase the time. The total time you spend with another person, the frequency of the time you spend with another person, the predictability. So, you know, less ad hoc. I'm going to call you because I have a question right now. More predictable. Uh, I know that I'm going to talk to you in several times. Uh, you don't want to interrupt other people. But that, that's true even when you work at the office. 
increase intimacy. Maybe have an in-office day. And I know a lot of companies that say, you know what, I'll let you work from home. Saves electricity and a lot of other things. Uh, plus, it doesn't seem to be hurting your job. But we're going to be, uh, we're going to have an in-office day where we're all in the same place. We're going to have, uh, I don't know, maybe a daily call, maybe a morning or an afternoon or both calls. Uh, we're going to opt to uh, Zoom if, if we're remote and not in the office today. We're going to opt for Zoom better than a phone call, more than, than an email. And, and here is one of the other big elephants in the room. Do we track remote employees? So I did, uh, last week, I did a small LinkedIn poll. I got 62 votes. Uh, the question I asked was, can employees be trusted to work remotely? 63% said yes. Now, remember, it's 62 votes, so there is a pretty significant margin of error. But you know what? As, as votes were coming in, I could see that it was pretty uh, consistent. 0%, by the way, said no. So can, uh, can employees be, uh, or 0% selected no, which means that employees cannot be uh, trusted uh, to work remotely. So nobody believes that they clearly cannot be trusted okay 63 percent said yes or it was very close to to it here's an interesting point 24 percent said only if monitored and i've seen as votes were coming in i've seen this number go as low as 19 percent as high as i think 27 percent settled on about 24 percent um so 24 percent said only if monitored. You know, you heard me talk about ChatGPT last week. I'm probably going to talk about ChatGPT in the classroom next week. But, you know, now I, I play with ChatGPT to see what artificial intelligence will tell me. When I ask the question, and this is the question that I ask, can I trust remote employees? Now, it gave a very detailed answer with, you know, some things that made sense, some things they didn't. But I want to read you this paragraph that came from ChatGPT. It is also important to have a system in place to track employees' work and progress, such as time tracking software, project management tools, and monitoring software. Monitoring software that allows you to see the work being done. It will also give you an idea of how the remote employee is working and how they are spending their time. Now, obviously, since the pandemic started, lots of companies, software companies, started coming up with uh, different tools. Uh, you know, there are tools that track email activity. Hey, you're using company email. There are tools that track the keyboard activity. I have to tell you, or even the mouse activity, I have to tell you that I saw a YouTube video that showed how you develop something. It was kind of mechanical that would keep moving the mouse around. So your boss using monitoring software that monitors the movement of your mouse would think that you're by the computer. I'll get back to that. Using the camera, so I can see that you're sitting in front of the um, computer, which obviously, since I'm from home, it brings a whole set of uh, privacy issues. Using the microphone, same things. You know, here's something that you need to know. Um, 
if you're going to put a monitoring software to monitor me and, and see that I'm doing something, just like that tool that would move the mouse, I'll find a way around it. Would it make me more trustworthy? No, the opposite. This takes me to trust law number six. Trust is reciprocal. You know, if you trust people and you show them that you trust them, they will behave in a trustworthy way. Actually, if you show them that you trust them more than the level of trust they believe they earned, they will work harder to earn that trust because what are the options to say, oh, you know what? Uh, I'm going to tell you that you shouldn't trust me that much. And, you know, sometimes that happens. No, I'm going to work hard. Mostly I'm going to work hard to earn that trust that I believe you have in me. It works the other way around, too. If you show employees that you don't trust them, they will behave in an untrustworthy way. Keep that in mind. I will behave in an untrustworthy way. And and the example was, you know, I remember in one of the companies I worked for, and, and I was a vice president in that company, our IT manager said, uh, you know, we're going to not give you administrative uh, rights to the computer. I mean, it wasn't just me. It was everybody in the company. So they took away administrative rights. Uh, and, and they had their reasons. And what they were doing is they were protecting the company. They were protecting the infrastructure. They were protecting the data. They're protecting themselves from litigation. So I could not install things. I could not access certain things. One of the things I told them is, look, if I need to access this and you're the one blocking me, trust me, I have enough technical knowledge in five minutes to get around whatever you, whatever obstacle you put in my way. Is that trustworthy behavior? No. But you caused it. Instead of educating me on what the risks are to the infrastructure, to the company, to the data that we have by things that I do. And you opted to say, no, I'm going to block you because I don't trust you to do your part to protect the company. I can find ways around it, but you just promoted untrustworthy behavior. This comes to something very, very, very simple. If you can't trust your employees you have the wrong employees, period. If you can't trust your employees, you have the wrong employees. Hire employees that you can trust. Learn that you can trust them. Don't distrust them. Don't show them that you distrust them. Don't limit the trust that you have in them to the point that you're going to force them to behave in an untrustworthy way. And if there's one thing if there's one thing that would have the biggest impact on the productivity, the effectiveness of remote work, it's that part. It's the do not monitor employees because you don't trust them. Do not show employees that you don't trust them. Because then they will give you reasons not to trust them. My final point is that it really takes a, ch a different culture or it takes changes in the culture that uh, a company adopts in order to support remote uh, work. Um, it takes different type of different kind of leadership to manage remote employees. You know, I already told you, 
you can't distrust your employees and expect them to work uh, to be trustworthy. But but a big part of it is you have to be able to see things from your employees' perspective. That's back to empathy. Your ability to see things from their perspective and, and respect that and react to that and work accordingly. You know, understand what their environment is when they work remotely. The opposite is true as well. Employees have to see things from their bosses or their peers' perspective. Again, empathy. You have to see things. You have to understand what your boss is thinking and 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 how they're seeing what you do. Or if they don't, you, you know, people tend to uh, just uh, stop communicating. You know what? You don't trust me that I, I'm not doing my work. Don't be surprised then that your boss is going to put monitoring software on you just so that they know where things are. You know, you know, if I'm your leader, if I'm if I'm your boss and I don't hear from you anything. How, what do you want me to think? Do you want me to think that I, that you're doing your job? Now, I'm not saying send me a uh, five-page report every day. Just keep me in the loop. You know, think about how I see things. It's a lot easier when you're at the office for me to walk to, to your office and say, hey, how, how are things or, or something? But you know what? Even then, you, you could consider that to be micromanagement. But, you know, sometimes micromanagement, I mean, the reason some people micromanage others or some leaders, some managers micromanage others is because they don't trust them. Why don't they trust them? It's very easy to say, hey, it's my boss's fault. He's not a trusting person. He has trustability issues. And that might be right. But you have part in it, too, because the eighth law of trust is that trust is the product of my trustability and your trustworthiness. So how about if instead of uh, blaming the low level of trust that I have in you in my trustability, how about uh, taking care of your part of the, the bargain, your part of the equation, your trustworthiness? And it always brings me back to uh, the title of my seventh book uh, from 2017. That was the book where, for the first time, I wrote about trust. Uh, the title is Culture Starts With You, Not Your Boss. Stop putting the blame on your boss for why they're not trusting you. Ask yourself, is there something that I'm doing? And part of it is communicating. You know, see things from their perspective. Be empathetic to them. Yes, you as an employee have a responsibility to be empathetic to your boss. It's not only the, the other way around. We have this paternalistic uh, attitude that the boss is the one that needs to be empathetic. The employee, no, the employee doesn't. The employee has to. This is, this is what trustworthy employees do. They're empathetic to their bosses as well. They see things from their perspective. They know what their boss is worried about. And they do their best to make sure that their boss is not worried. And, and, you know, a derivative of all of this is, as I already mentioned, it takes different communication strategies, N not only communication tools, but communication strategies. You know, one thing, for example, is I'm a big believer of make information available and accessible. Don't bombard people with communications. Communication, I would say, is the movement of information. Information is information. So make the information available, move it or communicate it when needed to the people who need it. 
but make sure everybody has access to it. So it, that's another change in the culture that that you have to implement in, in order to be effective with remote work. I hope this was helpful. I, I tried to make it as, as organized as possible uh, to, to address the whole issue of... Uh, are we all going to be working remotely? And the most important part from my perspective, and obviously from the title of this podcast, can you trust remote employees? I'll see you next week. What would you like to know about trust and trustworthiness? Let me know and I'll answer it in a future episode. I would love to hear from you. Email me at yoram at thetrustshow.com. If you like this episode, subscribe to the show so you will automatically get notified when I release a new episode. Rate it. Write a review for this podcast because those ratings help not only you, but also others looking for podcasts just like this. If you're looking for more resources to learn about how to build trust, be trusted, or know who to trust, look up my workshops, online courses, books, or go to my website, trusthabits.com. And remember that the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? Thank you for listening or watching The Trust Show.